everyone, and welcome back to the Over Manga Cast. My name is Sam, and uh, this week, uh, it's that it's not the Over Manga Cast. It's the Over Echo Chamber with Jacob. That's me. <laughs> uh, yeah, Matt and Jay couldn't make it this week, so uh, we're here to um, uh, <laughs> just yammer at you guys for a while. I hope you're happy with that. We're going to talk about music because I really wanted to be on the OP one. We might do a part two of that someday. I'd be I'd be happy to because my list has evolved. (laughs) This time we're going to be looking at a still beloved, but a little bit less well exalted uh, aspect of soundtracks in anime. Uh, We're going to be talking about OSTs. Like, you know, they're there because you would know if they weren't. I suppose is the easiest way to put it. Well, when you've watched an anime with a banger OST and then you read the manga afterward, uh, uh you notice the the what's missing there. And even if you're hearing it playing in your head. Exactly. And so we have uh, compiled a brief little top five of our favorite uh, songs. Uh, The rules here are that we each have a top five. We don't have any overlap. And as difficult as it was to do, we picked one song per franchise. Uh, my entire list would have been four of one franchise and one of something else. Had we not made that rule, so I insisted. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, same. Mine would have been uh, basically all Fate and Gurren Lagann. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we get to the honorable mentions, you'll you'll hear basically what, my, uh, what the rest of mine would have been. <laughs> All right, so uh, similar to when Jay and I did this for the OP episode, we're going to be uh, passing off back and forth. So I will uh, kick off with the absolute dog-ass classic, the song that everyone knew was going to be a hit the second they heard it. Uh, It's You Say Run, version one from uh, My Hero Academia. I specifically chose uh, version one because I know it's been remixed several times throughout the seasons uh, because while the other versions are, of course, great in their own right, the first one was such a it's a great masterstroke of a song to put in a heroic show. Uh, Hiroaka, especially in its early days, was all about that ideal of heroism of being the savior and this great hype up song with a high BPM, uh, all sorts of power instruments to swell uh, your emotions and great freaking use of key changes. Mm. You know, the ones I'm talking about (laughs) to time perfectly with big attack names and huge Sakuka punches. Mm. Oh, I love it. There's a reason there was the you say run goes with everything meme because it objectively does. That's <laughs> not a meme. It's literally just true. Multiple YouTubers have had entire videos talking about why you say run is so universal. It is a masterstroke. Its further derivatives are uh, also amazing, but like they're all built on the foundation that the version one laid and the way that it is perfectly paced for the shown in action scene 
the ups and downs of the music, the slow moments that go into the beat drops again. You know the one. Like, it's, it's tailor-made for shonen anime. I'm listening to it, and I get to that moment of that, like, downbeat, and I hear Chris Sabat doing All Might's speech to Nomu. <laughs> <laughs> right before the smash. It's so good. Yeah, I mean, some... some uh, OST tracks are like tied deeply into the moment that happens in the story mm -hmm. and then there are other tracks like You Say Run which are that too but also I think one of the really cool things about You Say Run the reason why everyone knows like you don't even have to have watched Hiroaka to have heard You Say Run You've heard it, even if you just randomly stumbled across a, an anime video on Twitter. The fact that it can do that makes it one of the most freaking iconic anime tracks that will ever be. And I'm not going to lie, uh, I have uh, sci-fi on the brain because of reasons, and uh, I kind of forgot about Hiroaka because I haven't really engaged with it in a while. I need to get back to that at some point, but again, sci-fi on the brain. Uh, and uh, it, I almost... It. I almost changed my list to uh, add uh, You Say Run, and then I realized that Sam would have it, and it was fine. <laughs> hey, Jacob, I know the reason why you've got uh, sci-fi on the brain. Imagine this song in literally any mobile suit battle in Witch from Mercury. <laughs> Honestly, that would work. That would most certainly work for season one. Mm -hmm. uh, season two is debatable, but... <laughs> Uh, it, it, I mean, it's perfect for, for I like, you know, I, anything that has even the slightest bit of shonen flavor mm -hmm. uh, can be fit to you say run because there's a certain pace that good fights follow and you say run is built to universally fit that mold and it is just a masterstroke of uh, composing. Indeed. So that's my number five. How about you, Jake? What's yours? Uh, my number five is not nearly as well known and not nearly as exalted because I am one of the only people who uh, know and freaking adore this series. It's Dogfight from Area 88. Yes! I am one of the only other people because he showed me this song years ago. <laughs> Again, uh, an absolute classic if you run in the right anime circles for this one. <laughs> oh, uh, imp uh, important note. I don't know about you, Jake, but for me, uh, numbers five through two are in no particular order. Number one is number one for a reason for me, but. Um, I would say that uh, I would honestly say that uh, three through five uh, will shift depending on my tastes. One and two are usually live there and uh the ones that two competes with are basically gonna be my honorable mention so we'll get to <laughs> that <laughs> indeed but yes i'm sorry to interrupt please continue <laughs> i love uh the area 88 anime uh this podcast has incited me to do a little bit of reading of the area 88 manga don't know if we'll do it on the pod someday maybe but as for right now i'm most well versed with the uh the uh 2000 i believe four anime adaptation it certainly looks like it's uh, early 20 aughts. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, this is a spectacular song for uh, 
just the feel of close quarters air combat. It is, might sound a little bit off topic, but uh, one thing that I've always said is I hate Top Gun as a uh, as a aficionado of combat aircraft, uh, but I freaking love Highway to the Danger Zone because it captures the feel of both the, the adrenaline pumping fear and concern for your own safety and the safety of your comrades, but also the sense of power and control you have. Something about air combat that is um, really cool and I feel uh, is a undertapped resource for um, uh, storytelling, which, you know, you see something like Star Wars delve into this a little bit, but, you know, you don't really see like pure air combat series like Area 88 very often. Um, it is the last place where like the gallant knight of, of the battlefield can can truly uh, stand because the more advanced combat aircraft get, the fewer of their of them there are in the sky. And there is this sense of there there might be a saying if you're uh, not cheating, you're not trying in air combat. But there is also at the same time a sense of like honor and chivalry to it. Generally speaking, people like won't shoot parachutes, for example. Mm -hmm. And because it is one person mastering their machine and pitting it against someone else who is in in the exact same space, a master of their craft in a war machine built for uh, built for maximum efficiency and combat ability. You know, I mean, it's like mecha anime, but in real life. And um, Dogfight has that sort of like, it's fast paced, it's a bit nerve wracking, but it also has a cool calmness to it, a sort of feel of control. A firefight is, you know, a stray bullet and you're done. But in a dogfight, there's at least a feeling of control that you have. So long as we're going off topic to talk about other air combat media, uh, Jake has shown me uh, the History Channel's uh, dogfights, right? Oh, I love the OST of that show. It's really good. And uh, Jake can give a more uh, in-depth explanation that we will uh, skip for your listening pleasure. <laughs> but uh, one famous pilot who uh, survived on the magic pixel. <laughs> yeah. As his plane was torn to shreds. So much so that the guy chasing him ran out of ammo <laughs> and just kind of shook his head and flew away. Oh. Uh, I believe Max said it best when he said it's kind of like piloting a slow Gundam. <laughs> <laughs> there is this um, sort of daredevil, almost swashbucklery nature to mm. air combat because it's inherently kind of nutty that you went up in the sky and are now flying around like so many mythical uh, knights on winged horses fighting each other. <laughs> And I mean, it's also kind of crazy, particularly modern uh, jet combat, which there's honestly been more jet combat than prop combat at this point, at least in terms of raw time. You're strapped into a rocket. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> it, it's completely nutty. And this OST's kind of like jazzy nature, cat, uh, it captures that. And while this could easily fit into like a, a like driving playlist, you know, something uh, something more casual. I I have no trouble like visualizing a fight in this or a or a tense situation of any variety. But uh, absolutely, also with the the air combat, it it's a real banger. All right, so shall we move on to number four then? All right, let's do that. All right, my number four. 
uh, was very hard to pick because, again, I'm only allowed one per franchise. But I picked uh, the Sword of Promised Victory from Fate Zero. So uh, to get into why I why I really like this song, uh, we mentioned earlier with uh, you say run that a song can sometimes be agnostic of the scene that it's placed in into the show. And you say run is great for that because it's a universally applicable shonen song. This one, though, the Sword of Promised Victory, this kind of needs to be in Fate, and it needs to be when Saber is using her noble phantasm, because it is uh, focused on that Fate aesthetic of these grand heroes clashing with their mythical powers. And, well, Fate is, in fact, super cheesy. <laughs> If you go in ready to just nosh on the cheese, you can get genuinely super invested into it. And when it goes out of the sort of uh, higher BPM, you know, uh, chance the danger music basically, and into that sort of uh, swelling, that is so iconically tied to the Excalibur scene from Fate Zero. I can't listen to the second half of this song without hearing, um, I, I forget the character's name. <laughs> Noel listens to this podcast, he's going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the king holds the miracle in her hands and its name is Excalibur! Uh, the Fate franchise is so nutty, but it's so fun to dive into. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I'm not allowed to watch Fate because uh, from everything that Sam has told me about it, I will spend the rest of my existence trying to fix it. Uh, <laughs> and that's not a good thing. You shouldn't do that. Uh, he has other things to do. The thing I find sort of interesting and the, the thing I notice in listening to the track is, uh, like, for a start, like, that opening bit is so, like, actively anxiety-inducing. Like, it really, like, is good at getting under your skin. And it uh, it's one of those ones where it's, like, it completely sans context. You wouldn't expect that to be part of, like, a, a big heroic moment. Mm -hmm. But then... The back half of the track I find really interesting because I love Ruby. Almost all of the OST in Ruby has lyrics. <laughs> so, <laughs> Which is the only reason neither of us put Ruby in here, because we're saving insert songs for another episode. Yeah, that'll, that'll be another episode. Um, and uh, spoilers for that. Uh, inevitably, somebody uh, on that episode is going to uh, include uh, Red Like Roses. Oh, yeah. Because obviously. But I noticed that uh, the sort of promised vic uh, the sort of promised victory uh, has a similar element to a lot of Ruby tracks, but Red Like Roses in particular. And the music is cut around dialogue. Because mm -hmm. if you've ever listened to Red Like Roses on its own without uh, the um, the scene that it's attached to, there are, particularly in the very beginning of the song, a bunch of like really noticeable, almost weird pauses. And uh, the sort of promised victory, it feels like it should pick up again at the end. 
but it's not because they're letting the sound designers cook. It's, yeah. it's a really good example of how uh, something can be tied into uh, a scene so intimately. And I think that's, I think that's a really, really um, uh, important element of, you know, it's like so often music and sound design can actually butt heads with each other and fusing them like that is really hard to do. Mm -hmm. because we need to be able to hear uh, Excalibur cutting through the big flesh monster and Gilles Deray, uh <laughs> saying his final moments, his last words, believing that the holy light of Excalibur slicing through his flesh is, the, is going to lead him to uh, his love. Dark. It, it's fate. <laughs> Particularly, it's fate zero. <laughs> You should all watch uh, Fate Stay Night Unlimited Blade Works. You could probably watch Fate Zero, but that spoils Unlimited Blade Works. But Unlimited Blade Works spoils Fate Zero. So you should really just play the visual novel. Or don't. <laughs> One day I'm going to touch this series, and I'll spend the rest of my life trying to fix it, and everyone will be sad. <laughs> uh, no, Jake, we just call that fan fiction. Anyway, what's your number four? <laughs> my number four is another one where uh boy uh the the fan fiction i could write uh it is the braveheart the strong from dragon ball kai a kai track strictly speaking whilst i have seen enough clips from kai i've probably seen most of the episodes and of course i've watched other versions of dragon ball I wanted to call out in particular uh, this Kai track over other Dragon Ball options because, you know, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I freaking love the Bruce Faulkner score, and I don't think it's just a nostalgia. I think there are a lot of parts of the Faulkner score that are actually just unironically good. The Super Saiyan 3 transformation. Super Saiyan 3 transformation, Vegeta's theme, Cell's theme. You know, I mean, like, there are, there are some really really amazing tracks in, uh, you know, and a lot of it is, you know, generic and flyover. Ginyu Force theme, um, Trunks's theme. But whilst a lot of those have, to some extent, stood the test of time, I've never been a fan of the Japanese soundtrack because I, this is something I've noticed in a lot of Japanese media, um, particularly a lot of Japanese media that doesn't plan on going to the West. Uh, there's a lot more moments of quiet, just like no, uh, no dialogue, no music. Uh, American TV doesn't like doing that. I blame samurai movies. Yeah, yeah, in all honesty, that's probably a big part of it. Um, <laughs> and um, the dub score, again, I'll defend it till the cows come home, but one, it's not for everybody, and two, it's... Does it necessarily fit? I think so, but there are reasonable arguments to say that it doesn't. But one thing that Kai definitely did despite my many problems with it, one thing that Kai definitely did really freaking well is it married the feel of the Western musical scores, because it's not just Bruce Faulkner's music. Uh, in fact, some things credited to him aren't necessarily Bruce Faulkner. Um, uh, it's not just the Faulkner track. It, there are a lot of different people that contributed to the uh, dub score, um, but it also maintains a uh, unique, uh, you know, I almost hate to put it this way, but Japanese-ness in the Kai score um, that feels a bit more authentic and a bit more built specifically for Dragon Ball as it was originally intended, as opposed to 
a localization. And honestly, this is a song that will just pop into my brain. Uh, particularly if I'm in a Dragon Ball mood, one of the best fights you can think about from that series is Goku and Vegeta's fight. That is unbelievable it was amazing in the manga it was perfectly translated to the anime it's iconic for a reason and this track you know lives in those beats this is one where you can listen to it on its own but like when you listen to it you want to find that clip you want to mm. find that that clip of uh kaioken times three and that just that whole sequence because it's a feeling that is uh, that is so quintessentially the, you know, the progenitor of modern shonen anime. It is so quintessentially classic Dragon Ball. Yeah, one of the things I'm noting listening to this uh, song is it's got a it's got a lot of sort of understatedness to it, I guess is a weird way to put it. It, it feels like it's a building tension track, mm. which for your... Uh, iconic dragon ball fight is what you want uh because a good dragon ball fight you know vegeta versus goku being super iconic is you want the heroes to feel like underdogs so that uh when they pull out something for victory it feels good it's cathartic Th this song is uh encapsulating that sort of like you're facing down the huge opponent energy i can see in my mind, just Goku looking up at Osuru Vegeta like, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> he got bigger. That means he's not as, uh, that means he's stronger. That means he's not as fast. Oh god, he's still as fast! <laughs> my giant monkey form. Oh my god, I thought he might be- Okay, we have to stop. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're just gonna quote DBZA for the rest of this uh, recording if we don't. <laughs> but yeah, uh, this has all of the Dragon Ball combat vibes you want. Because uh, Dragon Ball, uh, starting as a gag comedy series, of course, it, it's and then evolving into the quintessential shonen, it is kind of split between its two halves, silly, funny monkey boy Goku and uh, hard-ass Saiyan Goku out to fight the really strong guy. And this is firmly in the latter, and it is, uh, it's doing a great job of it. <laughs> mm. And yeah, uh, moving away from uh, anime where the hero wins. <laughs> <laughs> Going into number three, uh, my pick is The Call of the Witch from ReZero. <laughs> That vocalization is I, I, I know that I triggered some like <laughs> some like fight or flight response in a lot of you right now. This song is um it is ReZero. When you think about ReZero, you think about this song, you hear that in your head. And it's been a number of years since I've last seen ReZero. Honestly, I haven't even seen season two. Uh, but I binged season one 
over the course of a long and very emotionally taxing weekend. <laughs> the feeling that this song put in my like stomach, that like lead weight of dread, it it has never left. I just need to it and the show does a good job of putting this in appropriately tense moments to remind you exactly how uh, powerless Subaru is, how trapped he is. It is all the power of... Uh, honestly, I feel like I could put this in a Lovecraftian story and it would fit just as well. There, there are a lot of elements of ReZero that you could fit into a Lovecraftian story, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. And... You know, sometimes you don't even need to listen to the rest of the song. You just need to hear that iconic opening, that creepy vocalization. And, like, that's all. Like, my stomach is tensing up listening to it. I'm thinking about all of the horrible ways our boy has died. <laughs> yeah, I, I really need to watch more than the first episode of ReZero because I liked it a lot. Uh, <laughs> um... But yeah, no, I mean, like, the the instantaneous sense of dread that that gives is really palpable. Like, I mean, the first thing that popped into my mind when I uh, listened to this, because I don't know, I don't know if this track was in the first episode or not, because it's been a while since I've seen the first episode, but um, just, like, functionally no context, just that first, like, little sting, and I am immediately in fight-or-flight mode. Mm-hmm. And the thing I find cool is I think this is another case where it's a bit of an example of, I think it's actually in some ways an even better example of a let the sound department cook moment because there are, there are different parts of this track and I feel like you could chop it up, uh, which is something I'm pretty sure happens to Subaru at least once. Um, <laughs> oh, and how? Uh I feel like you could chop it up and use just individual pieces from it because like particularly the middle section, that's a perfect place to put dialogue because there's no vocalization there. You know, you have the, you have the intro where there's a, uh, where there's a sting shot of, Oh no character has arrived. And then you have the dialogue as the, as just the, the uh, instrumentals are in the background, uh, you know, creating this you know creeping uh maintaining this creeping sense of dread and then you know you you can probably loop that and once the dialogue scene is done it goes back into having a new different and equally creepy uh bit of vocalization that you could fit you know i don't know a terrified protagonist's thoughts around in a way that uh doesn't have the dialogue overlap with any of the vocalizations um it it feels built uh again for not necessarily a specific scene but it feels built to fit into with just minor amounts of tweaking fit into scenes in a way that allows the uh nature of the music to deliver its full impact without mm -hmm. having to um mess with you know levels or such yeah and it's great at just instantly evoking that because the the opening sting is so iconic that uh you put it at any appropriately horror rev 
uh, revelation, because this is most often used as the revelation that things are even worse than they seem. Mm. So uh, you have uh, either Subaru sees something or character says something. And then, like you said, fit in a scared character's inner thoughts or the classic choppy, scared anime breathing. You know mm-hmm. the one. Yep. <laughs> and the rest of the track is just understated and uh, tension building enough that it allows you to keep that vibe going as long as you want as uh, the horror sets in of exactly how trapped you are. So yeah, that's my number three. How about yours, Jake? Uh, so from one horror series to another kind of uh the anime is hot garbage but i love the manga but the music is fire it's passionate duelist from Yu-Gi-Oh! duelist <laughs> uh, to say my uh my feelings about uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! in general are complicated as the understatement of the century. Um, <laughs> but one thing I'll say is, for all of its adaptations, for good or for ill, the music tends to be amazing. Uh, a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh!'s uh, video game OST is absolutely freaking outstanding. Uh, but in this case, the, uh, the, the main theme of the anime, this is a uh, shonen battle track built for a series like Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! is a series where words and thoughts are your weapon and physical strength doesn't necessarily mean anything. Non, non-battle battle anime. The thing that makes um, Passionate Duelist work so well is that a lot of the other like shonen like Shonen or Shonen adjacent tracks that we've um, had on uh, the list so far, they they have an ebb and flow to them because a normal Shonen fight has the protagonist stand against the villain, get their ass beat, get their second wind, and then win. Get That's the power that, of friendship or whatever. You know, whatever the super move is, power of friendship or believing in yourself or some such nonsense that <laughs> doesn't actually work in the real world. Um... That's not true. Believe in yourself. Seriously, this stuff does work. Um, <laughs> but um, Yu-Gi-Oh! is built a little bit differently because since it is a pure battle of the minds, it's all about setting up and planning. And Passionate Duelist pretty much start to finish is, I already won five turns ago. You just didn't realize it. And let yeah. me explain to you how thoroughly screwed you are. You blew yourself up. Yeah, that's what I love about this track. Uh, before I get into that, though, um, my introduction to because I believe this is um, the uh, this is a sub original song. right? Yes, yes. This is yes. not from the dub, which I that's also some complicated feelings. We're not going to get into. <laughs> I had for the longest time only ever experienced Yu-Gi-Oh through the dub because I didn't meet Jake until high school and uh, <laughs> middle and elementary school. Sam uh, was a four kids kid for better and worse, usually worse. So I had no for idea. For better and worse, usually worse. I don't think there's a better way that you can describe four kids in general. I, I remember when, when it was Foxbox. Oh my God. Like that, just to tell you how old I am. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, I do too. 
but I did not know there was a Japanese version of Yu-Gi-Oh! And I didn't, I certainly didn't know it had a different soundtrack. So, you know, meeting Jake introduced me to this track, and this track is perfect. It's perfect for a non-battle battle anime. It's hard to describe, but it has the feeling of the villain monologuing about their master plan, except it's the hero and it's a good thing that they're monologuing. <laughs> and that opening, that da, 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 with the like uh, tinkling noise in the background, that fits the kind of Yu-Gi-Oh mysticism angle. And then the rest of it is just this triumphant string and drum section and the horns. And uh, uh, unlike... Uh, the other shonen tracks where it is that ebb and flow eventually leading to ultimate victory. This is no, I've been winning the whole time and here's how, and that's how cool I am. Mm -hmm. This is the song you listen to when you want to feel really freaking smart. <laughs> um, uh, I think um, one thing that really helps that is the, uh, the use of the violins as the main instrument, because they have they have a notable impact to them, but they're not they're not big and loud instruments. Can you tell how much musical background I have? I'm definitely <laughs> not talking out of my ass right now. What do you mean? I was the only one of the two of us who was in band, and even then, I was only in there for like two years. <laughs> you know, like you you hum the violin line when you're when you're humming "Passionate Duelist," mm -hmm. and it's it's not like loudly declaring against all odds. It's it's calm and it's in control and you know it just has a feeling of completeness to it that like the fight's already over this is you know it's it's clearly a battle track but it's a battle track where the fight is one-sided and it only works that way because it's not a fist fight mm -hmm. or a gun fight or a sword fight it's it's uh one-sided because you figured out the puzzle mm-hmm the Millennium Puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that is number three. Uh, moving in to number two. Again, really hard to pick this one because only one song per franchise, or we can only represent a franchise once. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd be here all day. <laughs> but I needed to put in The Witch from Mercury from Mobile Suit Gundam, The Witch from Mercury. Oh, there, there is a reason why sci-fi has been on my brain le uh, lately. <laughs> you know, talking about a triumphant track like we just did with Passionate Duelist, this is all of the I have already won of Passionate Duelist, but none of the understatement, none of that cool confidence. This is horns blaring, banners raised, sword held high. I won. And it so perfectly matches that early energy to Witch from Mercury, where Suleta was this uh, <laughs> Suleta was this adorable yet unstoppable badass, and it was just you know Gundam but in school, and we're beating up bullies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure nothing bad is gonna happen. Yeah, yes, it's got a it's got a kind of sophomoric. Um, literally sophomoric <laughs> <in some laughs> uh, sort of cheese to it. But 
yes, that feels good. <laughs> it, and when you put this much verve behind saying, this is our hero, this is what they can do, enjoy the show, and talk about key changes, holy crap. How does, <laughs> how does a song have three different the drops? I don't know. It's a particularly long track for an OST, because a lot of times OSTs will tend to be between, like, a minute 20 and two minutes long. This is a five-minute long track, and, like, here's the thing. I love it for it, but Witch from Mercury is often not a subtle series. Its subtlety is two or three layers deeper of the basically middle school cheese that it pretends to be for most of its first season. Mm. And like this is Hey, the main character is, is hey, one of the two main characters is talking to the main villain. We're going to dim all the lights in this room. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I can't help but think the first time think of the first time this track is used and main character cuts off the the victory condition that was a feather crest, and a bunch of feathers are falling with god rays. Like, <laughs> yes, they're, they're soulmates, I get it. <laughs> you don't have to. She could not be more knight in shining armor. She could not be more angel descended from heaven than in that moment. <laughs> you know, like, there there are a lot of subtle moments and, and uh, you know, subtext and deeper meaning to Witch from Mercury. But one thing it's really good at is saying... This is what we mean. Do you get the metaphor? Um, and pulling you into uh, the the story and the vibe that way, which I think is a big part of the reason why people have uh, so quickly attached themselves to all of the Witcher Mercury characters where nothing bad happens to them, right? As, as if this recording, the show isn't over yet, and I'm scared. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, the, the kind of cool thing uh, is... Like with a lot of what Witch for Mercury did, um, it is always very, very thinly hiding its true essential Gundamness, because there is something a little bit creepy about the chanting. You know, it's heroic, but it has a bit of an edge to it. And not for nothing, but the second of the three, the drops. That's just the Unicorn OST. <laughs> and we all know how Unicorn went. It's not a full-body psycho frame, it's the exam system. <laughs> oh my god. Watch Mobile Suit Gundam The Witch for Mercury. You probably are already, because it's one of the hottest anime of the year of the of the decade so far. <laughs> but seriously, watch this damn show. Holy it is so good. Um and I mean, like, another another case where, like, uh, tying a track to a scene, one thing that was something that actually, uh, Sam was the one who pointed it out to me, um, a really cool thing that they did is, uh, in one episode, the antagonist of the episode has a he'll face turn moment, and the track starts playing for him. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't do the chanting until the protagonist rallies and turns it around. The fact that the track is as long as it is and has so many different layers to it makes it so incredibly versatile to be used in so many different ways. And Witch for Mercury's ability to set up your expectations and then both either subvert them or play into them, you know, as you feared 
you know, this this track is perfectly built for that sort of uh that sort of vibe of mm -hmm. it's it's hopeful, it's it's rising, but it's also just a little bit creepy. Much like the witch from Mercury <laughs> in general. <laughs> God, I love this show. Anyway, that's my number two. <laughs> oh, hey, look, another Gundam. Yeah, it's another Gundam. Uh, needless to say, almost all of both of our uh, lists would have just been Gundam tracks had we not done one per franchise, because to the shock of no one, Witch from Mercury has uh, been... Uh, Given us all brain rot. Yeah, and in all honesty, I freaking love uh, the OST track, Witch from Mercury, but... There's a track that will always be special to me when it comes to Gundam. And that is the one that started it all in the West. The Wings of the Boy Who Killed Adolescence from Mobile Suit Gundam Wing. Oh, Gundam Wing was very formative for me. I, 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 I'm sorry, I heard that the, the horns start just... <laughs> Oh, I, I went back in time like 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, we're that old. <laughs> ah! But yeah, uh, Gundam Wing was very formative for me. Um, I'm the overanalytical one, in particular on the podcast, despite the, the title. I am the worst in that regard. And fun fact, it's entirely because of Gundam Wing. Gundam Wing is the first series that I ever actually, like, digested closely. And the thing I love about the series is that every time I go back to it, I learn something new about it. I, I have some revelation that something else was tied into this or that, or or a character's motivation that I hadn't quite put together because the series is so freaking dense. Um, dense is a neutron star. <laughs> yeah, when it comes to character motivations, it rivals Kill 6 Billion Demons' uh, character count. Um, <laughs> the thing about uh, Wing is... For, for the time period where it came to the States, it actually had a very uh, faithful translation. They censored out a lot of blood, they changed a couple of uh, word choices, but generally speaking, they left the audio alone. Um, Gundam sound effects are iconic because Wing didn't mess with them or the soundtrack. And one really cool thing about Gundam Wing, it, one of those, you know, revelations I had from uh, watching the series more closely and really studying and analyzing it, is in a lot of ways, the story is told from the perspective of the bad guys because they're actually the underdogs in many <laughs> cases. Um, you know, I mean, not to say that the protagonists never struggle, uh, but like, at a glance, because the Gundams in that series are so individually powerful, whilst from a logistical perspective, the Gundam pilots are the uh, underdogs, from a battle-to-battle -battle perspective, no Oz soldier stands a chance. They can, only win a Gundam! they can only win a war of attrition by letting that many people die. So, of course, they're constantly screaming, It's a Gundam! <laughs> because what else are you going to do before you get blown away by Hito's buster rifle? One, one of the Gundams is called Death Scythe, for God's <laughs> sake. This particular track, and I mean, like, all of Wing's tracks are so freaking good. But, like, this particular track, it does such a good job of definitively being the hero's theme 
So it has to be heroic and rising and triumphant because ultimately Hiro is the good guy. You know, it's like not necessarily at every point over the course of the series, but ultimately he is in the right at the end. Like by the end of the conflict, he has come to the right conclusion and he is fighting for the right side. But he's also a harbinger of death. And there's there's a uh there's a uh sort of threat and menace which actually I've noticed in a lot of our favorite tracks. Maybe we have a preference here. I don't know. Um <laughs> wow, on the Over Echo Chamber cast, we have similar themes. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have guessed? But yeah, it, it it does a good job of um, you know, I mean like the the key changes, the rise and fall of the track can work either for our protagonist, our hero, Hiro, going from being in control to the situation turning against him. Or it can be the bad guys think they have him, and then the key change happens, and he comes out of the smoke unharmed and starts slaughtering them. It works either way. And there is a lot of um, personal preference in me placing it as high as I did, because this is just such a meaningful song to me personally dragon ball is important to me it's big um honestly it's probably had more of an impact on me as a person than gundam has and Yu-Gi-Oh is obviously a series that i will you know go to bat for very hard but as said <laughs> tumultuous relationship at best i don't think i'd be an anime fan or um, or therefore a manga fan without gundam wing and this song heralding the hero showing up and doing something freaking awesome when my 10-year-old brain could not comprehend the sheer amount of bodies he's racking up <laughs> is the reason why I cared for anything other than Dragon Ball itself. And, and why I decided anime in general is something that I want to immerse myself in. It's something I want to uh, watch and care about. And on top of that, it is it is just an absolute uh it is it is an elegant banger, like everything in Gundam Wing. Uh talk about uh so, uh, about a show having a very distinctive um audio aesthetic to it. Wing is just very secure in all of its aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Uh being the most beachy laden Gundam series, <laughs> which is <laughs> saying something. It's saying something. Fun fact, all of the male characters are based off of Japanese female models and all of the female characters are based off of Japanese male models. <laughs> that yeah. is why they all look so aggressively androgynous. I think it might have had an influence on me, not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> but God, it's hard for me to listen to this track and not experience some level of nostalgia because the way I experienced Wing was I became friends with Jake. He would not shut up about this about this show for good reason. And then because I have I, regular rewatches of it, uh, it will never leave me. Mm-hmm. And then I fell sick and I was out of school for a week and I just sort of watched the whole thing. I remember uh, because my parents' room was the one that had the TV in it at the time. Uh, I got to stay in their room uh, so I could watch my show while I was uh, resting from my sickness. <laughs> I, I'm I'm back there right now listening to this, and it, it's hard for me to say anything else. Jake's uh, Jake covered it all, and so beyond my anecdotes, that's it. That's Wing. <laughs> we're we're exalting Witch for Mercury, and seriously, go watch that show. But like. 
wing is great too a lot of gundam is really great and it's it, honestly i am so happy that witch for mercury is really uh elevating gundam because it's always been one of those ones that's just like on the edge of mainstream everyone's heard of it but it's but it's like when you watch some uh, you ask somebody if they've watched anime it's like oh yeah i've watched dragon ball or oh yeah i've watched uh i watched naruto or naruto yeah gundam isn't one of the big three yeah well now it is and uh, hopefully is. hopefully uh our uh number two picks will uh convince you to uh go uh check out some of it too because oh, also kiro yui spawned a thousand fangirls <laughs> and begot an entire genre of gundam protagonist when he tore that invitation to the birthday party up <laughs> <laughs> oh boy this man <laughs> iconic iconic indeed all right so that is number two out of our top five so we are going to dip into some quick honorable mentions uh for me just just go watch the fate series and listen to literally any of the music okay uh the night of rebellion uh any uh, necromancer, any of the Fate Apocrypha track, Fate Apocrypha, the song, which is the anime's iconic theme, um, Emiya from uh, Unlimited Blade Works, or any of the Stanites. Uh, just God, I really like Fate, <laughs> <laughs> and it's got banger tracks, and you should go listen to all of them. Also, for uh, honorable mentions, um, I was going to include. Uh, Kamado Tanjiro no Uta from Demon Slayer. And then I remembered that it's actually an insert song. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, damn that it! Has, that has lyrics. Darn it! That's one thing we weren't doing. Yeah, there, there were a lot of songs that came to my mind that had lyrics that I had to nix, but... Uh... Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's my... Uh, that's my honorable mentions. Uh, fate. <laughs> Just in general. In general. And, uh, of course, um, the rest of the Witch from Mercury soundtrack. Anything that utilizes the leitmotif from the Witch from Mercury song is a banger, uh, like Calabarn. Um, and, uh, oh, right, uh, one more Gundam for you, because we can't stop. Or two more Gundams for you, because we can't stop. Uh, Iron-Blooded Orphans, Crescent Moon, and, uh, Double O's Trans Am. Ugh. So uh, for my honorable mentions, you ready for me to list off Gundam tracks? <laughs> uh, who will burn their life away uh, from Gundam Wing? Uh, the uh, uh, song that plays during the final battle. Freaking uh, been laser tattooed on the inside of my brain for a while. Uh, basically, it's, it's the thing that got me uh, to look back at Wing this most recent time. Use the Cloak of Darkness, also from Gundam Wing, is something that will just play in my head whenever something scary happens. The Unicorn theme, both versions from Mobile Suit Gundam Unicorn. Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that I couldn't put that on because I already had the wings of the boy who killed adolescence because it means so much to me personally was actually physically painful to me. Uh, of course, the uh, Trans Am song from... <laughs> uh, the Trans Am song from Double O, I fucking love. But... One I prefer from Double O is Transam Riser. Mm, yes. The drums in the beginning of that are legendary. Um, 
I uh, love the. Uh, I love the uh, uh, iconic main battle theme from uh, the original Mobile Suit Gundam. I don't recall the name of the track right now. Um, and uh, a- another IBO song that I absolutely love is the uh, uh, is the main theme uh, for Tekadon. Because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I hear that and I want to go finish ibo because i never finished it i'm sorry <laughs> uh, me neither look i got to the harem spaceship and <laughs> i didn't I, even have that much of a problem with the harem spaceship that's where i, I quit too <laughs> i didn't have a problem with it either but <laughs> I, I don't know don't worry listeners we will marathon it another day <laughs> yeah <sighs> but it's time for number one and um well it's me could my number one be anything else other than thrust through the heavens with your spirit from Tengen Topa, Gurren Lagan. Man, talking about shows that got you into anime. Holy crap, I cannot overestimate the impact Gurren Lagann had on me. The memory of being on summer break from school and just staying up till 3 a.m. watching this show on my crappy early 2010s uh, or late 20 aughts internet connection uh, pirating it off YouTube because I didn't know how to do it better. <laughs> <laughs> Look at how we've all grown. Look at how we've grown. God, this show, man. It, it for a very long time, uh, I, I would say unironically shaped my entire like philosophy and world outlook. And as I've gotten older, it, it that has evolved somewhat. So it's not, <laughs> so my entire perspective on life isn't just drills. <laughs> I remember that phase. Oh, yeah. But it holds such a special place in my heart. And I do still uh, truly believe in the lessons of Gurren Lagann. And nothing embodies it like this song. You want to talk about a song that feels triumphant? You want to talk about a song that makes you feel like a hero? How about one that never stops rising? (laughs) This song doesn't have a downbeat it, it doesn't know the meaning of the word. It's all just uh, upbeat drums and rising notes. Oh, it's so good. It gives me the feel of running. Like, I feel like the mm. music itself is running and it makes me want to run. Exactly. It, it, make, it makes you want to uh, drill to heaven. <laughs> yeah. Push on till tomorrow. Oh. Yeah, and... Uh... Yeah, don't worry there. You don't have to uh, point it out. We couldn't put on Rap as a Man's Soul because lyrics. Uh, uh-huh. Iconic insert song. But again, uh, Thrust Through the Heavens with Your Spirit, another dog-ass classic that has been uh, a truism in the anime fandom since the show came out. <laughs> I don't think there is a weeb from that era who hasn't put it on a playlist or uh, sought out uh, AMVs or inspirational 
slideshows because again it was it was 2003 man <laughs> <laughs> look at how much we've grown you didn't have much on youtube 20 years ago oh i feel so old me too i feel like old man kamina at the end of the show <laughs> or old man simon or simon yeah yeah uh i love old man simon i love this whole show god i love this show <laughs> so that's my number one What's yours, Jacob? Attention, entire world! Hear my proclamation! I am Jacob from the Overmanga cast, and my number one is the Master from Code Geass! I knew he was gonna do that, and it still scared me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... I'm going to add a bunch of extra honorable mentions because I didn't want to give away uh, uh, that what my number one was. Um, basically, all of Code Geass' soundtrack you can consider an honorable mention. Uh, to me, there's no contention. The Master is the Master. No track touches it. Um, now, you can go ahead and get out your torches and pitchforks. Code Geass is mid. It is, in fact, a phase mom. There, I said it. <laughs> but one thing that Code Geass unequivocally has is high moments. It has such extraordinarily high highs. And to my recollection, the Master plays twice over the course of Code Geass. It plays when Lelouch uh, it, uh takes uh, control of the Britannian throne near the end of the series, mm. and it plays... The attention entire world speech. That's the the other time is the, uh, is Lelouch's declaration of world domination, in my opinion, maybe the best anime scene that has ever existed. And, like, just a scene in isolation, that scene is immortal. The, the feeling of the bombast of the power that the master has with its opening moments it demands your attention because the king is speaking and it has a sort of similar element to um a passionate duelist where even though code geass is ultimately a mecha anime uh and you know physical battle is a major factor in it because of the nature of its protagonist, it also is the type of thing where the, the battle is almost a foregone conclusion whenever it happens. Um, you know, either Lelouch is adequately planned or he hasn't. Unlike Passionate Duelist, where it, it doesn't feel the need to be, like, aggressive or, you know, loud or in charge, the master is the exact opposite. Because... In a large way, despite the fact that Lelouch is pulling a trays, Gundam Wing, um, <laughs> despite the fact that Lelouch is pulling a trays and he's actually uh, doing everything he's doing for the sake of world peace, in, in those scenes in isolation, the villain has just won. Mm -hmm. You know, the Emperor has just, uh, you know... Uh, use the Death Star to blow away the Rebellion. There is no hope left. There is just an unfathomably powerful, unfathomably brilliant, unfathomably charismatic uh, mastermind who has just succeeded in all of his goals and there's nothing you can do about it. All you can do 
is all hail Lelouch. The great thing about this song is that it works as a, a wonderful theme song for Lelouch because nothing exemplifies him being the dramatic that he is. <laughs> quite like a Gregorian chant over uh, an intense string choir and rising brass and uh the the trumpets blasting at full force <laughs> oh code code Gios was uh, complete garbage when it comes to themes and consistency because uh, again it is mid uh, I will fight you on that one um but but when it comes to aesthetic aesthetic is flawless few things have uh, come close to code Geass. just the one thing that i can't get over is why lelouch got them yaoi fingers <laughs> <laughs> uh the uh 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 lelouch's master plan at the end of the series isn't the only thing they borrowed from wing they also borrowed the character design aesthetic <laughs> uh, here's the yaoi fangirl bait oh, oh wait, wait there, there it is, is. i see it, it. oh <sighs> Well, and there you have it. That is our top five list, uh, plus some honorable mentions of uh, the best uh, anime OSTs, according to us, a pair of idiots on the internet. My uh, unassailable uh, opinion that is objectively correct in every, fa uh, in every way, in every fashion. A pair of mech nerds who haven't left 2005. <laughs> Let's be real here. <laughs> So thank you everyone once again for listening to the Over Manga Cast. As always, you can find us on all of your social medias where we are at Over Manga Cast, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, shoot us a line, send us a DM, tell us what some of your favorite anime tracks are. Uh, it, we will check it out and it might get us to see a new show and hopefully a manga to go along with it. Oh, there are plenty of tracks out there that have gotten me to uh, watch shows. Uh, we're also uh, on YouTube. Uh, the episodes are on a two-week delay, but you can like, comment, and subscribe there. Good place to catch up on our backlog. We also have overmangacast.com, uh, where you can also comment on individual episodes there. Uh, uh, we also have an email, uh, overmangacast at gmail.com, where you can uh, send us any recommendations, uh, anime, manga, soundtracks, anything you'd like us to talk about. We love hearing from you. And we will see you all next Thursday where we'll be reading something. We don't know when we record these discussion episodes. <laughs> I'm sure it will be uh, absolutely fantastic. Indeed. And we'll see you all then. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. <laughs>